Hi everyone, this is Valentin and the bass is calling. Before we start with today's episode, I want to give you a quick update from my side. As you may have noticed, we didn't publish so many new episodes in the last few weeks and months. The truth is, it's really hard to keep a high quality at the podcast while running all those new projects we are currently doing at Conda. And for me personally, it's super important that every episode we are putting out is worth your time and that you guys really take value out of it, that you say it inspired you and you learn something new. So what does that mean for the future of the podcast? It means that we will not stick to a weekly or bi-weekly schedule, but we will make sure that every episode that lands in your feed is really worth the wait. So now enough from my side, let us jump to the new episode. Today, I have again an in-person interview with Scott Braithwaite. He's a sous chef at 11 Medicine Park, and we met each other a couple of months ago in, on, for a coffee um, in, in New York, and we just got to know each other. And he told me, you were talking to me, and we, you explained me farming, also the farming, your experience with farming, and that's how it started. And then I actually wrote you a couple of weeks ago and said, hey, man, Let's make a podcast about it because I think it's super interesting. But just to start, could you give maybe a really quick introduction to yourself, um, what you're doing, and then we can straight jump into it, um, how, how your first experience with farming was? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, hi there, first of all. Uh, yeah, great to be with you in person doing an interview. Um, it's fantastic. Um, Yeah, so a bit about myself. I'm currently sous chef at 11 Madison Park. I've uh, been here now in the city for, I'd say, just over a year. Um, before that, I was the sous chef at, at Long Clume uh, in the UK. Um, and yeah, both restaurants uh, actually have uh, farms. And it's something that I looked for when I was actually looking for work in, the New, in, in New York. Um, so that's what brought me here. That link is something that I find quite special in kitchens. So when you when you moved to the US, you specifically watched for okay, what restaurant is there with who has potentially a farm? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think um, with when I was looking, obviously Blue Hill Farm pops up as being like a main uh, like candidate. Um, but for me, it was when I saw Eleven Madison Park doing what they're doing with being plant based. I knew that things uh, for me would be pushed further personally, um, just because. At, at Long Clume, we was already doing a lot of farm to table sort of thing. Uh, we was doing the, we was picking vegetables and that was getting served that day. Um, and then for me, the next chapter was finding out more about this plant based journey and mm. how, how that can benefit me and how that's benefiting uh, the restaurants as a whole. Like, I think it's something that's, I mean, it's never been done before at this sort of level. So to be part of that's been incredible, really. Cool. Before we jump into Lamclum, how, what was, what is, what is farming with restaurants? I mean, some call it farm to table. What is this concept about? Just for the listeners who might think, okay, farming. How can I, how can I envision that? How does that look like? Yeah, I mean, I think it gets labeled with a lot of different names. I think uh, the. I mean, I've just used it, but I think the worst offender is uh, farm to table. Uh, I think we all do that anyway. <laughs> it's it's not it's not really a thing. But um, I think it's it's 
Yeah, I mean, using a, a farm that you own yourself gives you direct control over uh, not only the quality, the sizing, um, and it's an opportunity as well for the chefs that are in that environment to either go to the farm and, and learn the process and it connects everybody a little bit more. The respect for ingredients um, is higher. There'd be less waste in the kitchen if the, the actual chefs themselves are going down and putting the seeds in and picking it. I mean, it's yeah, it's fantastic all around in that sense. You, you worked in a couple of restaurants in, in the UK. You also worked in Thailand, in Norway, yeah. I saw. Um, you had a station yeah. there. And then you landed, I think, in 2018 in yeah. Lam Klum yeah. in, in the UK, who had a farm. Did they, or did they already have the farm at that point or did it start? Can you and how how was that? Maybe you can describe it, how you arrived there and for you as a chef. Yeah, I mean, when I actually arrived at, in Cartmel, it was a it was everything you'd expect of England. The rain was biblical. Um, and then I got to the restaurant um, and yeah, from that moment, I fell in love with that little village. Um, you drove past the farm actually on the way into uh, Cartmel. Um, so I got my first glimpse of it then. Um, it already existed. Um, I think the farm had been set up for quite some years at that point. Um, so when I got there, it was, I think maybe a couple of days after I'd started working there, I finally got to actually visit the farm and see what it was all about. And it was already well established. Um, they had a team that was working there at the time. Um, but over, over a couple of months, uh, I think, John, who's the head grower still now, he came along and yeah, he's taken it from strength to strength since then. And I mean, something like a farm, it's like on a smaller scale, I, I assume the satisfaction would be like when a chef makes bread and that entire process of starting it from the beginning watching it grow and then baking it and finally eating it. Watching a, a farm team like working so hard, de-weeding um, and then making sure the soil's right to even before you even begin to plant and then going into planting and then seeing that the next uh, like next spring summer and seeing it all come through it's incredible it was a hell of a process watching that happen what did they have at the beginning because i mean most of the restaurants have some kind they do some kind of farming and when yeah. i talk about some kind i talk about some herbs and stuff you know they grow mm. something um but what did they what did they grow? What um, just to give us a yeah? I mean, uh, the site itself was eleven acres. Um, I think it was eleven acres. Um, and what they grew was, I mean, we'd have a chart for the year as to what we wanted, when sort of thing. So we'd like X amount of carrots by this point in the year. Um, so yeah, I mean, we'd always have brassicas coming through for the winters, celeriac. Um, there'd be a lot of root vegetables coming through, potatoes. Um, again, that's something that is difficult to buy at a certain size. So it's perfect for growing on a farm uh, that's connected to the restaurant. So say you wanted like a really tiny potato, you've got that opportunity to take it at the ground when you need it. And then you can either use it at the restaurant there and then. But if you've got too many, like in some cases we did, you've then got that opportunity to, to use a technique like clamping where you force it to stop growing in sand or sand clamping um, and then you can use it in the restaurant for quite a long time before you it's not going to get any bigger you know um, which is like all how, techniques how does that work um, so I, when you sand clamp I think it's basically uh, you 
taken out its top. It's not got any anywhere to. It, it thinks it's going, but it's not going. It's in like a state of just. It just stops. So, so you take off the green things on top yeah, really that they drawn. can't get any sunlight anymore, yeah. which they need to grow. Yeah. They can't really take any uh, nutrition out of the of the floor yeah. uh, of the of the ground of the earth. And then they stop growing, but they also don't rot in there. Yeah, exactly. It's like how you pull potatoes in, and when they're ready, and then leave them in a dark room, and like a, a nice dry, like dark room. Um, that's cool, and you can keep them. It's any root vegetable, beetroots, things like that. Carrots. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, carrots. You can take the tops off and just leave that little bit of green exposed, and that stays in a state of. I think I need to grow. There's some people that have left them a year and then they come back and they can still eat them. You know, it's it's a it's a, a really old technique, but when it's used properly and like you can still use these techniques. And I think that's something like chefs are forgetting, um, not necessarily that they needed to know it, but I think it's the same thing as like butchery and uh, like breaking down fish. I think these skills that not necessarily forgotten, but just they were overlooked. I think it's something like a farm reconnects you with that because you're having to explore these uh, new ideas, what seem new ideas, but are existing already in the past, you know. But that's a lot of learning. You need to, you need to do it. I mean, you're a trained chef. You're not a trained farmer. They do separate jobs at yeah. the end of the day. How did you have a, like one farmer there who do, or did you all work there? How did you get the knowledge? How was the process? Because I imagine you arrived there, they told you, hey, we have a farm, and you're like, okay, interesting, but you, but you never had, so I imagine you never had it having contact with yeah. some kind of stuff. Is that correct? Um, I mean, to a certain point, yeah. I, I Luckily, when I was growing up, uh, my grandparents had a huge allotment at the back of the house. So we, I mean, famously, I hid in the potato row, and they called the police because I'd been hiding on my Game Boy for that long. But like, <laughs> this farm was huge. I mean, it was not farm, but allotment was huge. So there was always growing potatoes, carrots, peas, broad beans, and that interest. I mean, one of my fondest memories is picking the the peas and probably eating more than I was picking from my nana. Um, but yeah, that interest has always been there. So when I got to the farm, and you're a chef now and uh, someone tells you that there's this farm there that's why i was there like i was there purely i mean there's inspiration from eating food but then there's inspiration from ingredients and i'm more ingredients driven where i can see something and i get interested in what i can do with a certain vegetable just purely be seeing it rather than seeing a finished product so that that always inspires me and that's probably why i chose long Clum in, in the first place um but no we 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 when the, um, the farm itself, yeah, like you said, it was interesting, but it wasn't like the peak of my interest. Like I, I always knew I, I wanted to explore it a bit more, but didn't have that avenue. Um, when John came on board, uh, the, the head farmer there, it, what he, I mean, I've never asked him a question, never got a response from a question, sorry, that he doesn't know. You can ask him anything and he knew everything. So like there was no silly questions like, right to the basics you could ask him something and he would know the answers to it immediately and it was like like how we are with cooking but seeing someone that's as passionate about his job it it, it links you in a way and it was it was fantastic to 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 have that 
so in I think it was the spring of 2019 just before John arrived there was really short staffed at the farm and obviously everything was ready um, and it was a lot of work for the farmers that were there at the time so it was there was a decision made to start the day instead of in the kitchen but we'd start the day in, at the farm um, so all the chefs would gather um, and what we'd do then is pick the produce that was needed for the day and take it to the restaurant and then then we begin our day um, this started in the summer it was amazing um, it was all picking the cresses uh, the flowers all the kale, like the kales the tomatoes in in the polytunnels then yeah it was absolutely brilliant like I mean it's brilliant in a staffing sense and also like a learning sense but staffing wise you're going to cut down on like hours and things like that just purely because like the chefs they know exactly what size they needed for their garnishes what size they needed for each plate and how many they needed so there was no waste in that respect everything was picked for a reason um so everyone like picked the right things that they needed um and then in a learning sense you got to hands-on experience of something that is very rare i think um you've you stood there in a field knowing exactly where you can pick ingredients and in, on the actual plant itself um and like how not to take too much and things like that and i think that kind of hands-on experience is something that like it starts and obviously this didn't stop in the summer it went all the way through to winter um and then with that basically you become more accustomed to the knowledge of what the farmer's telling you because you, you're there all the time every morning you're there and yeah it's fantastic it's a great way of doing it a lot of follow-up questions fr from my side um i i'm just imagining you know it's also a lot of more time you spend on the farm so you need to you know maybe that you need to have more chefs because at one point you need to make do the prep but first i would like to talk about the quality mm. and as we talked before, farmer and chef are two different jobs, you know, so a farmer who is his whole life only doing farming builds a big, big knowledge in, in, that, um, in that space. And also, of course, um, make sure that um, they have a proper quality. How is the, the quality from the farm? How do you ensure that you have like the top notch quality? Like, better than you can get on the on the market yeah the way we tapped into quality um at uh, i mean at both farms actually um both the magic farm here in new york and um our farm uh, attached to long plume uh, how they ensure quality is by really focusing and honing in on certain ingredients that the restaurants actually need so rather than growing uh, a wide variety and trying to like not overproduce or like to please too much the growing specific items that these restaurants um, really want to use at a certain time of year by focusing on just those ingredients over the time the learning curve you you perfect it uh, just like a chef with a recipe um, I mean the reason uh, Simon famously started his farm in the UK was because the radishes were poor and he wanted good radishes so that was the only way to do it and they did and they started this farm and now some of the radishes we were growing in the last year that i was there were absolutely sensational i mean you always have years where the weather's pretty bad in the uk where they bolt when they get the first bit of sun but 
yeah other than that i mean the quality is always there um and i think that's just because of it being on such a small scale i mean we talk about it being a farm but it's actually quite small in its sense yet they can support a restaurant but it's not like they're supporting an entire like like a, a community so i mean when you're only growing a certain amount of vegetables for one dish for a certain point in the year it's yeah it's it is quite small so it is sustainable in that sense and yeah i mean yeah how how did you get the the chefs because it's a lot of hours also on the farm how did you balance the time between being on the farm and being in the kitchen and in general how much time did a, a, a chef spend on the farm um so in that in that sense um i mean we was arriving at the crack of dawn in uh, the uk at seven o'clock we'd be at the farm um and there was a general rule that we couldn't be there any later than eight o'clock Because if you was there later than eight o'clock you won't be ready to settle for lunch service and prep the vegetables that you're actually picking Normally we wouldn't be there too long. Um, I mean, maybe 30 minutes and some days when the orders were bigger, it'd be longer or if the team was smaller, you'd need more time there. But um, yeah, it was, I think that's where it gets quite fun because you know you need to be in the kitchen, so you need to pick fast. So like that time that you're picking these vegetables is actually really quick because yeah, I think if everywhere was sh uh, staffed by chefs, everything would be like fast and effective, you know, mm -hmm. like. I think we like to think that. Um, so that's quite interesting how the speed of the picking and things like that was actually fast. But it was, I'd say, there'd be 10 of us in the morning. Uh, we'd go down, uh, drive down to the farm. And like I say, it was lucky because, I mean, we all lived locally in the area. So no, no one was like further away than 30 minute drive. Most of us were 10, 15 minutes maximum. Um, so being able to get there quickly pick the vegetables and then it was like five minute drive then from the restaurant it, it was fantastic so it wasn't actually that time consuming and i think the time spent there everyone looks back who's left with fond memories i mean there's some mornings when you're there with the head torch on wellies in, in in mud absolutely covered picking kale in the frost i think those were the times when you think oh why are we doing this but then when i sometimes have conversations about my time you forget like just how much you've learned from that experience which is fantastic um but that also means you have one dedicated farmer yeah at the at the farm who's really you know taking care planting the things and taking care that everything is is, is going as it should be yeah at both farms uh, both magic farms and uh, our farm there's a head grower um that both do incredible people really for what they do i mean farming's notoriously difficult um I mean, you can't you can't predict the weather but they do their best to do so um and yeah i mean they're they're there every day growing um and their like experience in the past of what they've grown gets brought forward um and presented in a way uh, almost like making a dish in the sense that when you get told by a farmer oh yeah man I literally had this conversation last week with uh, the Magic Farms head grower, Magic. He said, uh, my, uh, my tomatoes this year are going to be way better than what they were last year. And it, when you hear something like that, it's great because, I mean, for me as a chef, his tomatoes last year were fantastic. And I know he's saying that they weren't as good this year, but uh, last year, but they were good. So like when you hear someone like already excited about what's coming in summer, 
saying that Matamatas are going to beat next last year's. It's it's fantastic. Like yeah, it's super exciting. I'm 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 really interested also in the in the story, um, and that was interesting to me because you said when you when you came to Eleven Medicine Park, they just started with that, or that's how how I saw it. Is that correct? Yeah. So um, when. Uh, 11 Madison Park reopened as a plant-based restaurant. They'd partnered with Magic Farms. Um, so this is a, a relatively new project in, in like terms of uh, how long it's been going. Um, so, I mean, for me personally, this is the second uh, second summer um, where we've been seeing produce coming from Magic Farms. And, yeah, the, the quality that they're growing already in the second year is it's way up there. And, like I say, when you're hearing... Um, the head grower saying that it's going to be an even better year than last year and that passion comes through and you think oh yeah this is this is why we do it you know you get these deliveries that come in these boxes they're completely covered and you open it up and you see these vegetables in there and they're like picked like maybe the night before and then they're shipped uh, sent drove over it's it's brilliant and yeah that's what we do how is the process of getting starting that that that? because the okay that's the second summer how does the process come from, okay, we want to have a farm, we want to start doing that, and the magic farm is a little bit more sophisticated than just a small garden in the backyard. But how is the process of starting that and getting more sophisticated, getting better in, 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 in doing that? I think when uh, Chef uh, Hume started uh, the partnership with Magic Farms, I think they were friends before and uh, Magic had just decided like I want to start this farming project and I think that's how that collaboration started um, when it's on something of this sort of scale and like you say it's not a, a small farm like a small garden it's actually a, a huge farm um, I think yeah it's drawing from experience um, each year you're gonna better yourself because you you know what happened last year like the mistakes that were made or in fact the the positives that were made um, and that goes onto the restaurant side as well. So uh, where we're making decisions of what we want um, in the future, that gets relayed forward. So then the farm can start planning. So it's the farm's already almost in in in, in essence maybe seven months in front to a year in front because they know exactly when they're going to start seeding, when they're going to start sowing everything. Um, and then when they're going to start harvesting, so they, they're the real drivers in the seat of what's coming into the restaurant, which is great. What are the challenges when having a farm? What are the main challenges you are fighting with now? Main challenges, um, I would say having a farm is definitely, I think it's not, it is a challenge, but it, it's it easily dealt with. It's, um, consistency because these vegetables that are grown are organic there's no pesticides uh, at both farms this is uh, there's there's nothing to stop bugs eating leaves you're gonna get these natural things happening um, and it's not being like painfully manicured like it has been um, what you buy in shops sometimes where everything's absolutely straight it's absolutely perfect but sometimes these vegetables come in and they're like uh, how they'd sell them in shops would be wonky vegetables but it's just how they are that's how they grow uh, I think sometimes <clears throat> chefs have to get quite creative with uh, how they're plating these dishes, uh, how they're plating the vegetables. Sorry, uh, because just purely because of how they how they actually look in, in 
reality. Like it's not these perfectly manicured uh, items. Uh, so I think that that's a, a challenge, but it also forces chefs to be so creative with what they're making, which it brings a positive out of it, which is great. And in terms of economics, I, maybe you have enough insight in that as you do the purchasing, but I imagine, I mean, it's a big investment um, upfront. Is it from an economic, uh, from a business perspective, is it, does it make sense for a restaurant to do that? I believe so, yeah. Um, I definitely think it's more cost effective uh, once, I mean, yeah, I, I imagine the initial startup costs of starting a farm are uh, uh, astronomical, but then once it gets going, um, I mean, I've seen the prices of uh, certain items in, in New York, especially, um, which is sky high, but then to be able to produce it and then grow it yourself at the farm and then like basically you know exactly the sizes you're going to want, uh, what, when you're going to want it. You're not reliant on surveyors and things, uh, purveyors and things like that. Yeah, definitely cost-wise, it's great. Um, I mean, then waste-wise as well, especially somewhere like New York where you're having to pay for your waste to be taken away. If you can take that back on the same van that brought your delivery of vegetables from your own farm and send your compost back, that's going to save you money in that sense because then you're not buying compost at the farm either. So like completing that side of the circle as well, is is financially brilliant as well yeah i mean that's a special new york problem mm. um I, in, in austria and all more where i come from more rural areas I'm, i might not be a, a big issue but for me especially when i think about that the concept i talked also to andreas caminada swiss um, chef who also on this podcast talked about his farming approach I think it can be really a competitive advantage to mm. other restaurants when you, when it comes to the product you deliver, because at the end you have an end-to-end -end control from the bidding, beginning of the of the product to the dish itself. Yeah. And as we all know, a big part of success in, in culinary and creating amazing dishes, it's the ingredient itself. And if you take over the control of it, um, you might be yeah you also can have an, a competitive advantage the question is how how much can you actually cover because in 11 medicine park i don't know how many how many covers how many guests you have per night but it's it's a lot mm. how much can you actually cover um in terms of yeah food you need ingredients you need from a um, quantitative perspective that means you know um, let's say you grow carrots can you actually grow enough carrots for one season for um, the whole restaurant and the, the bandwidth of ingredients you have are you just growing carrots or are you just growing um, onions but obviously you need more what do you think about that or how is that looking yeah I mean this is this is where you get into uh, the style of restaurant as well. Um, so, I mean, to break it down to Long Clume, when we first started, well, when, when we was cooking and growing there, um, the, the vegetables, sometimes it might be John had a sample that he'd planted and it's like, you're going to have this in two weeks and it's only going to be one week window and then it's gone. There we deal with that. Um, we'd 
develop a dish, it'd be on the menu for a week and then it'd be gone. So how they operated sometimes, they would, they'd always be standing items like kale, brassicas, um, there'd always be tomatoes at certain points in the year that the rest uh, that would provide for the restaurant. But that was quite fluid in how it changed its menu. That really was fluid with changing with the season, with what was grown at the farm, um, and the menu would change around the produce. Um, with, with something like what we're dealing with here in Eleven Madison Park, they're really honing in on the ingredients that they want to showcase on the menu, which is quite special. So basically, if they're wanting to use lettuce, which we will be using uh, on the uh, up and coming menu, that's what is grown predominantly. And that's how you really uh, hone in on the quality and also the quantity, because knowing full well that we're going to be using this certain lettuce for a certain amount of time. He's, a, he's already maybe three, four five weeks ago started planting in increments. So that can be sustained for the entire duration of the menu, um, which is, yeah, it's quite special. It's two very different things um, and two different ways of doing these farms, uh, but both work incredibly well. Do you think it's also a little bit of marketing hype restaurants use um, in order to promote themselves? Or do you think, no, that's really something substantial? And how do you see the future of farming and restaurants? I think there's always going to be the cases of some restaurants taking advantage of this new wave. I mean, it's, I mean, I say new wave, but this has been going on for quite some time now. Um, but yeah, it is a popular thing to be doing definitely, but, um, it is, it is something that actually is very beneficial to not only like restaurants, but the local environment as well, the way you're growing, um, which is always important. I think for chefs, it's an incredible platform for teaching younger chefs coming into the business um, exactly where these vegetables are coming from. They don't just magically appear at the back door with the delivery. Um, you can go and actually see the, the entire process. And I think for something like that, the respect of the ingredient then from young cooks is incredible. Um, they tend to waste less because they know the entire journey. They've in some cases, sown the seeds themselves. So, yeah, I'd, I'd say in that respect, it's definitely something that's, even if you're not making money on it and it's break even, it's entirely worth it. I mean, yeah, for that perspective, it's it's fantastic. The produce itself is always like exactly how you want it, size-wise, flavor-wise. You know it's going to be tasty because you've honed in these all the time into just certain vegetables rather than growing mass amounts of vegetables and yeah i think i think in general it's something that i i can definitely see carrying on like it is it's definitely something that's i mean i wouldn't want to work in a restaurant that didn't have a farm for me cool so it could also be a way to attract potential talent yeah i, I mean it's a great educational tool um just like Uh, breaking down animals or things like that. I, I think a chef should understand how vegetables are grown um, and the process that goes into it and the, the, the entire story behind it, like right down to companionship planting, uh, why you'd grow certain things at a certain time of year. I think something like that is fantastic because then you're really in tune with what's seasonal, when and Yeah, as a chef, that's that's everything you want to be. Awesome. And 
Final, final question. What's your favorite ingredient? Oh, favorite ingredient and something I love um, growing on farms is juice and artichokes. Um, they're one of my favorite vegetables, definitely. <laughs> what is it? A juice and artichoke. I think in the States they call them sun chokes. But yeah, it's, it's a beautiful little vegetable. Um, no matter how you cook it, I've always had the tasty ones, soups, roasted, crisps. They're, they're just delicious. That's my favorite.